Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and boy, am I happy today. On the happiness scale between one and two, I'm in the high ones because I've got a terrific show for you. Daryl B. Harrison is going to be joining me in just a minute. And then in hour two, Pastor Colin Smith from Unlocking the Bible. We're going to talk about Zerubbabel in the Old Testament. So it's going to be a great day. I'm glad you're with me. Today with Daryl, I do want to talk about a very difficult, emotional, challenging issue I've heard about this across the board from several people. Daryl's the guy to sort this out. We're going to talk today about what is critical race theory and how should a Christian view it? Is critical race theory compatible with a Christian and biblical worldview? And Daryl serves as the Dean of Social Media at Grace to You. That's the Bible uh, teaching ministry of John MacArthur. Um, He's responsible for developing and implementing the ministry's social media strategy. He's also uh, co-host the Just Thinking for Myself podcast with uh, Virgil, his uh, uh, his podcast partner, and those two have uh, really, really um, made some remarkable um, inroads in their podcast. They just reached about 500,000 downloads and Daryl is a fellow of the Black Theology and Leadership Institute at Princeton Theological Seminary in Princeton, New Jersey. And he's a graduate uh, of the Theology and Ministry Program at Princeton. And he's fin- he's in his final phase of becoming certified as a biblical counselor with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. I always love having him on. Daryl, welcome. Is that really you, Bill Arnold? <laughs> it is me. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Man, how, how long has it been? It's been a while. It's been months. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So but glad I think, to be back with you, man. Yeah, thanks. And I think the timing is perfect because I know you and Virgil are in town in Minneapolis this coming weekend. Uh, I just want to let people know that uh, for those who are living in this area, you guys uh, have got a conference coming up uh, on Saturday. Yeah, that's right. So we're fortunate and blessed to be able to partner, <clears throat> excuse me, partnered with Christ Bible Church there in Roseville to uh, on, on a conference that where the theme is Critical Race Theory in the Church. It's going to be held at the Anderson Center at Bethel University. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's all day Saturday. So Virgil and I, Lord willing, we will be flying into Minneapolis on Friday and uh, for the conference on uh, on Saturday. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah. And you fly commercial and Virgil flies private? That's pretty much the way it goes, yeah. Verge has his Verge has his own private plane. I have to fly commercial. <laughs> We're completely kidding, but you can go find out more about this at uh, ChristBible.net if you're interested in tickets. Tickets are very reasonable. I think they're 20 bucks. You can go to ChristBible.net to learn about this. I'm frankly very excited that you're going to be doing this with Virgil. Uh, you guys are amazing. I love having you on the program. And I'm very interested in sorting through this uh, very challenging topic on critical race theory. Yeah, it's an incredibly challenging topic. And to say the least, uh, in the time that we have, uh, in the few minutes that we have, Bill, there's no way. Oh, I know. don't even touch the surface of uh, what is all, what all is entailed and encompassed when you're talking about critical race theory, CRT, 
uh, for sure. But I appreciate you being, being willing to broach the subject because it is a very difficult one uh, to talk about. Yeah. Um, Daryl, maybe we can start with maybe some of the key assumptions about critical race theory. Um, like, for example, American uh, government, law, culture, society are inherently and inescapably racist. That's just an assumption of critical race theory. Yeah, you actually, in that assumption, Bill, you actually gave what I consider a layman's uh, definition of what critical race theory is. Okay. Uh, For your listeners, uh, two things they need to know about critical race theory fundamentally. Number one, that critical race theory is an entirely presuppositional worldview. Presuppositional meaning that everything that critical race theory uh, purports to uh, uh, stand for, uh, believe in, and want to correct, it's all presuppositional. It's all subjective. Nothing within critical race theory has to be proven um, um, objectively. It doesn't have to be proven. All, all you do in critical race theory is just assert Whoa. that something is racist because the fundamental pillar of critical race theory, this is the one thing that critical race theory is based on, is that racism is the normal everyday and routine experience of people of color in America. So critical race theory argues that there is nothing within American society and culture today that has not been or benefited, not been established by or benefited from racism. So if you, if your listeners remember nothing else, just remember number one, that critical race theory is entirely presuppositional. And then number two, the fundamental foundational presupposition within critical race theory is that racism is everywhere, literally. It is systemic. Mm. It is unavoidable. Yeah. Daryl, I'd love for you to give our listeners a a little uh, understanding of your take on racism, as you have told me before from Scripture. Yeah, I appreciate that question, Bill. You know, I I, I tell people all the time, especially when we're dealing with a topic like this, yes, I'm a black Christian, but I'm a Christian first. I'm a Christian first. So, that means that I see the entire world through a biblical worldview. I see the entire world through what the Scripture says about the world. And one of the things that Scripture says, Scripture teaches me, is that the whole idea of race is a, is a, is a fallacy. It's a myth. There is no such thing as race in the sense that the culture uses the term. Okay, now you will find the term race in Scripture, but it is not used in the same context as the culture uses the word. In Scripture, the word race, you'll see that both in the Hebrew and in the Greek, denotes a type, a genus, a type of person, whereas in the culture, the culture uses the term race as as an identifier, as a characteristic of your personhood. So, for instance, in the culture, they might say your race is black if you have more melanin, and they would say that your race is white if you have less melanin, but there's one verse, especially in the New Testament, there's one New Testament verse that serves as a one-verse apologetic against that idea, that cultural, that social-cultural idea of race, and that verse is Acts 17.26, which reads that he, that is God, made from one man every nation to dwell on the face of the earth. Now, that word nation in that verse in Acts 17.26 That word nation in the Greek translates to the word ethnos, E-T-H-N-O-S, from which we derive our English word ethnicity. So my view on the idea of race 
is that the term in and of itself is unbiblical. The biblical term, the correct term, is ethnicity. We are one type, okay? We are one race. That is the human race that is comprised of various ethnicities. So correctly for the Christian, the Christian really should stop using that term race. That is a sociocultural term that has no basis in Scripture. It actually has a basis in Darwinian evolution. And the correct term for the Christian is ethnicity. And again, read Acts 17, 26, and you've got a one-verse apologetic to defend that. So, Daryl, when you say things like this, does your email box explode? It's not my email box that explodes, but my social media inbox definitely explodes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably that's what uh, I meant. Yeah, you, 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 you probably, Bill, would not be surprised at how offended even professing Christians get at the stance that I'm taking, even though the stance that I do take on this is not within myself. It's outside of myself. It is a, an objectively biblical truth. This is not some opinion, uh, some subjective opinion that I'm giving you. I'm taking, to, taking you to the Scriptures to reveal to you what the Scriptures teach about this. And the idea of the sociocultural idea of race is non-sequitur in Scripture. It is nonsensical. The idea just doesn't exist in, in Scripture. The word is ethnicity, not race. Wow, Daryl, that would be a huge paradigm shift for people to go there. Yeah, it would. But again, the gospel is all about paradigm shifts, isn't it? It is, absolutely. The, the, the gospel in itself takes us out of ourselves to see to see the world, see ourselves and see the world as God sees us, as his truth in the scripture uh, says reality is. You know, we know from John 17, Jesus says, sanctify them in, the, in, the, in your in your in your word, your word is true. Sanctify them in your truth. So we have to go to Scripture to find out what is true. And, and, and as Christians, our biblical worldview, if we're going to have a biblical worldview, and we should, that worldview should should be grounded and rooted in the objective truth of Scripture, not in my subjective opinion or uh, perspective on the world. Hmm. So. I want to ask you, too, about the oppressed and the oppressors. That seems to be a critical component of of critical race theory. Right. And, uh, Bill, feel feel free to jump in here and cut me off. I don't know how much time we have for your break. Yeah, a minute or two, and then we'll come back and we'll pick this up after. Yeah, the question you pose begs me to sort of give a really high-level chronology of how we got to critical race theory, because when you talk about terms like oppress, oppressor and oppress, those are Marxist terms that are grounded in the, in the Marxism of Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels, so, which takes us all the way back to the early 1930s in Germany. So to take you on a chronological tour of how we got to critical race theory, you start with the Marxism of Karl Marx in, 19, in the 1930s. And the Institute of Social Research or the Frankfurt School, the Nazis shut down the Frankfurt School in the mid 1930s, and the school found hospitality in the United States. Believe it or not, at Columbia University. Over the years, in the 1970s, there developed a, a theory called critical legal studies, whereby a group of neo-Marxist uh, uh, legal scholars got together and, and, and looked at American jurisprudence through the lens of cultural Marxism. From the 70s into the late 80s, you had another group of neo-Marxists who met at the University of Wisconsin-Madison in 1989, and it's from that meeting that we got critical race theory. So critical race theory has its entire uh, uh, pillars. Everything that, about, that, that exists about critical race theory is rooted in Marxism, and key terms such as oppressor and oppressed 
are standard Marxist vernacular hmm. that is embedded within the worldview of critical race theory. Wow, that's so interesting, Daryl. And the oppressed groups, based on this uh, theory, will never overcome their disadvantages until these uh, racial structures are replaced. Right. And in doing that, what critical race theory tries to do, critical race theory presupposes, right, that white people are in charge of everything. But critical race theory wants to invert that so that minorities, ethnic minorities especially, are in power and so that they are now the oppressor and that the white people are the oppressed. But in critical race theory, the victimhood never changes. There's always got to be a victim in order to advance the, uh, the argument that America is inherently racist. Mm-hmm. Daryl B. Harrison is my guest. We are talking about critical race theory. We're going to take a little break, but when we come back, we'll continue our discussion in just a minute. Back with Daryl Harrison. We're talking about critical race theory today. Got a nice note, Daryl, from a listener named Terry. He said, I would like to cast my vote for having Daryl on as a monthly guest. His biblical, spiritual, and Christian culture wisdom is an is an excellence that always benefits the listeners. I am incredibly humbled by that. Thank you so much, Terry. I appreciate that. Yeah. And Daryl is the Dean of Social Media at Grace to You. That's, of course, the Bible teaching ministry of John MacArthur. He also uh, has a podcast with Virgil Walker uh, at justthinking.me. I really encourage you to go there, justthinking.me. And he's also in town with Virgil this weekend for a conference right here in Roseville, Minnesota. So for those of you who are in the area and would like to know more, you can go to christbible.net. It is a uh, conference right here at across the street from at Bethel University, and it uh, starts Saturday morning. You can check it out at ChristBible.net. All right, um, Daryl, we're back on our very challenging topic today. I so appreciate your, uh, your, your thinking on this and your wisdom on it. Um, so if we can go back to these class groups, the, op- the oppressor race and the class groups, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to talk about this some more just because I, I, I clearly see the the oppressors and the oppressed, and there's the rub, there's uh, where all the um, tension lies, and how do we as Christians move through this, navigate our way around it, through it? Yeah, you know, Bill, your question is really loaded, and I mean that in a positive way, because even in some of the words you use to frame the question, you're really picking out instances of verbiage and vernacular and terms that critical race theorists use all the time. You know, your listeners, again, need to understand that critical race theory is built on division. Mm-hmm. It's built on uh, class antagonism, just like Marxism. What, the first thing that Marxism does is divide people. It divide, divides people in the classes and groups and then pits those groups against one another. And that's exactly what critical race theory does. Uh, Critical race theory needs antagonism. It needs that classism. It it needs that division, whether it's on socioeconomic uh, lines or geographical lines, ethnic lines. 
you could go on and on. Critical race theory, theory needs division in order for it to flourish. This is why uh, many of the leading critical race theorists today will not have a dialogue with a person like me, because what they don't want, they don't want the problems that they purport to want to solve. They really don't want those problems solved. So, for instance, if there's a systemic problem in America with racism, uh, and I'm going to use the word racism just for the sake of conversation, and I don't believe – I will die on this hill. I don't believe that systemic racism exists in America because one example, Bill, if systemic racism was a reality in America, I probably wouldn't be on the phone with you right now. Mm-hmm. But that that said, what folks need to understand is that critical race theories, theorists cannot afford for there to be ethnic unity in this country or in the world for that matter because if that were a reality for them, there would be no reason for them to exist. If the problem were solved, the ethnic disunity, the ethnic uh, acrimony that they see exists, the discrimination, the oppression that they so uh, are, are so aggressive at uh, purportedly saying it exists in America, they cannot afford to have those problems resolved because otherwise they would have no reason to exist at all. They would not sell any more books. They would be, not be able to do any more uh, interviews on uh, on uh, liberal television stations or or, or, or do uh, speeches at liberal churches, which is what most of them do. Um, so 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 again, critical race theory is built upon division. It is built upon um, hatred, revenge. There is no forgiveness in critical race theory. Theory. There is no mercy in critical race theory. There is no uh, uh, repentance in critical race theories. Theory. Uh, critical race theory is a uh, a perpetual victimhood uh, for the oppressed, and then it's perpetual um, um, uh, payment and 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 and, uh, and uh, reparations on behalf of the oppressor. So nothing is ever resolved in critical race theory. Critical race theory reproblematizes everything. It criticizes. Everything, and mm. that's what the word "critical" means in critical race theory. It means to criticize. It does not mean to analyze. You are you are constantly criticizing the culture and find something finding something wrong with it. Daryl, when it comes to spiritual matters, does critical race theory does it does it go after replacing the the individual personal relationship with God with more of a a, a collectivist system or a, a tribalistic sort of system? Yeah, very much so. And and again, that's an excellent question, Bill, because, again, you have to go back to the Marxist origins of critical race theory all the way back to the 1930s. When you look at a guy like Karl Marx, who was he was an atheist himself. So when you consider that critical race theory is rooted in Marxism, it, it you begin to understand that critical race theory itself is an anti-God worldview. It is an anti-God ideology. So what critical race theory does, it strips you of the Imago Dei. It strips you of Genesis 127. It totally rips that apart uh, and takes what, 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 what is the biblical reality that each of us is created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. So we have the Imago Dei, and then it, it, it totally uh, reduces that to the Imago Homo, the image of man. So it takes you from the Imago Dei, image of God, down to the image of man, and then compares you— to other people, so and, and then in, in, in comparing you to other people, it finds again those uh, areas of division, those areas of class where we can separate people. Whereas in the under the Imago Dei, we're all the same. 
We, we all bear the image of God. Even unbelievers bear the image of God in a, in a, in a biblical worldview. But in critical race theory, it's tribalism, it's collectivism, but it's tribalism and collectivism based on those divisions. So even to the degree that there's collectivism and tribalism, it's only within those classes. It's only within those groups. So you have a relationship to the group that you're in, to the class that you're in, but as it relates to those other groups and classes, you can never have relationships with them because critical race theory needs that tension to exist. It needs that acrimony to exist in order to give it purpose, to give it oxygen, to give it life. Mm. Wow, so good, Daryl. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes before the break, so I want to get you started on this topic, and then we'll we'll pick it up after the break as well. But I know critical race theory goes beyond skin color. I know it also deals with the gender and sexual preferences mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and economic status. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's this uh, intersectional thing I'd love for you to talk about. Yeah, that's another great point, Bill. Critical race theory is intersectional. Intersectional, excuse me. So don't get caught up. I would just say to your listeners, don't get caught up on that word race in critical race theory because it's not only about race, again, as the culture defines race. Critical race theory is very much intersectional. So you take uh, uh, an organization like Black Lives Matter, for instance. Black Lives Matter is, is, a, is a tangible example of how critical race theory operates because in, critical, in Black Lives Matter, it's not just about seeking justice for oppressed black people. It's seeking justice for oppressed transgender people. Uh, is seeking justice for lesbians, for queer, for bisexual, and uh, any uh, any class that they can segment a group of people into, critical race theory is intersectional to the extent that all those other different classes exist as well. Uh, immigrants, uh, Native Americans, um, you could go on and on and on. There's no end to how many classes critical race theory can devise and formulate so that uh, based on these innumerable class groups, critical race theory pans the entire landscape of your existence. Uh, and this is why it's so dangerous to the church, because the, ch- the, the church, again, critical race theory being an ungodly ideology, one of its primary targets is the church, is Orthodox Christianity, or, or, or what critical race theory would, would identify as white Christianity, and want to replace that with a more sort of ethnocentric African pagan spiritualism. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really the goal of critical race theory here is to just de- deconstruct and destroy the Ju- Judeo-Christian way of life. Yeah, we'll continue this discussion with Daryl Harrison when we come back after the break. He, along with his uh podcast partner Virgil Walker will be in town for a amazing conference this Saturday for those of you in the Twin Cities area of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Tickets are available at ChristBible.net. Daryl, do you know if this is available to view online as well? I do not know. I okay. do not know that they're streaming it online. That would be helpful because there's listeners all over the uh, country that would probably love to join in as well. We'll maybe find that out during the break or maybe not, but we'll uh, work on it. We'll take a short break and be right back with Daryl B. Harrison in just a minute. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. 
So glad to have Daryl B. Harrison as my guest. I would have Daryl on every day if I could, but he probably would not agree to that. But he is the <laughs> serves as dean of social media at Grace to You in California. So he's a Southern California guy for now. Anyway, I know you didn't always live in Southern California. Where did you move from, Daryl? Yeah, actually, a native of Atlanta, a okay. native of Atlanta, Georgia. I moved uh, from Atlanta to uh, Southern California in January 2019. Yeah. So can I suggest if you're coming to Minneapolis this weekend that you go buy? Let me see a winter coat. Yeah, I, I literally, Bill, you won't believe this, but I, just before coming on with you, I was texting with my wife. She was at Macy's buying me a winter coat. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Yeah, you're going to need weather, it. Wherever I'm going to be, I always check the weather a few days in advance, and I've checked the weather channel to see what the weather's going to be like in Minneapolis. Can you guys please warm it up just a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a question came in. Uh, I'm curious of Daryl's opinion on this. Our school district has had more violence this year than any other year. I come to find out that they have a new group that they have for schools where only black people can attend the club. I contacted one of the teachers in, the, in charge and I asked why this is happening. Uh, because to me, this looks like a huge division and disunity when we need to be bringing people together and not encouraging to separate. Yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately, that's not surprising. That's what that's what that's the kind of thing that critical race theory results in It's just just one of the incredibly strange ironies of critical race theory that it is that it uses um, ethnic prejudice, e- ethnic partiality to resolve ethnic partiality. I mean, it's, it's just a, a, one of the most hypocritical ideologies I've ever seen to where, you know, when you know, when you know American history, you go back to the civil rights era of the 1960s bill. This is exactly uh, what is what would not be tolerated back in the 60s. This, this is this is why you had uh, uh, the uh, the civil rights movement to begin with uh, to uh, make illegal this kind of ethnic segregationism, but in critical race theory is fine. So in public schools, you have now uh, you know ethnic studies groups that are reserved uh, for blacks, where whites can white students can attend. You've got what they call social emotional learning. Um, again, uh, a, another sort of camouflaged title. For critical race theory, you've got in corporate America, you've got diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives, DEI initiatives that are discriminatory, uh, inherently discriminatory, because chances are you won't see a white male or a white female appointed to any of those DEI positions in corporate America. As a matter of fact, I did my own research about a month ago and saw where in Chicago, the Chicago Business Journal website, I think it was, gave a list, including the photos of uh, corporate DEI executives uh, within the metro Chicago area. And by my math, 72% of them were black females. So you have within these uh, sort of uh, solutions, if you will, to the oppression that critical race theorists argue exists, you just have more racism. You have more racism. That's exactly what it is. So that's an interesting point, Daryl. Um, I know as as a radio host, I shouldn't pause and think. I need to keep talking, uh, but you've got me thinking on so many things. Um, let's go, uh, if I can just talk for a minute about uh, prejudice, prejudices. Is is that safe to say that a synonym for that would be hatred? 
Well, it could be. It could be a synonym for that because remember now, not all prejudices are bad. Uh, it depends on the motive, mm-hmm. right? It depends on the motive because we know right from Scripture that God, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Mm-hmm. So not all prejudices are bad. You know, for example, I could say that I'm prejudiced against other women who aren't my wife. Okay. That's a form, that's a form of positive True. prejudice. But then there's negative prejudice of the type that we're talking about today with regard to critical race theory. And as I said earlier, critical race theory is uh, deeply grounded, is fundamentally grounded in ethnic partiality. And we know that scripture is replete with verses where God God himself is is, is a God who shows no partiality. Then are any number of verses that warn us against uh, displaying sinful uh, partiality toward others of God's image bearers. But again, with critical race theory being an unbiblical, unscriptural worldview, I wouldn't expect that from a critical race theorist. Critical race theory uh, uses uh, sinful ethnic prejudice uh, to build uh, an apologetic for discrimination and then discrimination under the law. This is what critical race theorists want. They want laws. Wow that allow certain people to discriminate against other people so that that, so that that discrimination is codified into law so that they benefit from it. And that's just one of the many, many um, uh, just negative repercussions of critical race, critical race theory taking root in society with respect to public schools, with respect to corporate America. And then we're having to deal with this issue within the church. Hmm. Daryl, I know there's some that have... Um, not necessarily embraced critical race theory, some believers, but I know there's some believers that have embraced more of a modern approach to social justice. Um, maybe you would talk about the, uh, the the kind of legitimate commands that come from Scripture when it comes to justice and, and some of the other uh, maybe non-biblical things that have come out of CRT. Yeah, you know, when you think about it, Bill, you think about this whole idea of social justice, and I put that phrase social justice in air quote. Uh, For the Christian, there should be no such thing as social justice because God in his word already teaches us how to treat the poor, how to treat the underprivileged. And the thing about social justice is that, and this may shock some of your listeners, one of my favorite Bible verses when we're talking about social justice is Leviticus 19.15. Where in Leviticus 19.15, God says, you shall not be partial to the poor nor to the great. So it's even a sin in God's eyes to be partial to the poor. Now, social, social, the social justice gospel is inherently partial to the poor. It's inherently favorable to the poor and disfavorable to the wealthy. But we know that in Deuteronomy 8, the word of God says that it is God who gives you the power to make wealth. So in, in social justice, you have two fundamental uh, biblical issues with respect to uh, being partial to the poor and being, and then being, uh, you know, discriminatory towards the wealthy. But scripture already teaches us how to uh, uh, handle the poor. We know from uh, the apostle Paul that we are cursed, I believe is in, uh, in the book of Romans to take care of needs within the church first. And then we work outside the church mm-hmm. to take care of the needs of others. So Scripture already is clear about how we should, te- to, should treat the poor, how we should treat those who are less fortunate. But in saying that, we need to understand that in God's economy, 
in God's language, in his word, there just there, there's only justice and injustice. The justice of God doesn't need a qualifier attached to it, such as social justice. There is no such thing as social justice biblically. There's justice and there's injustice. And 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 God's word clearly teaches us what both of those look like. So this idea of social justice is another man-made sociocultural philosophy that the church has been buying into since the early 1920s when uh, when when the, when, the, when when the Roman Catholic Church really launched this idea of social justice in Latin America and then it penetrated uh into the church in America and we've been dealing with this now for over 100 years um but again we have as Christians we need to go to the word of God to begin to understand what does the word of God say about these things and then develop our biblical worldview that way. Mm-hmm. Daryl Harrison is my guest, and we're talking about critical race theory, if you didn't know, if you just joined us. Um, Daryl, when I when I look at critical race theory and Black Lives Matters, are those two entrees on the same table? Yes. Okay. Yes, those two entrees are on the same table. Uh, so we, we actually started hearing more about Black Lives Matters before uh, Black Lives Matter, before the term critical race, critical race theory became sort of normal, um, um, everyday uh, yeah. occurrence in our vernacular. Uh, but BLM uh, is uh, 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 a tangible, palpable example of the fruits of critical race theory. Uh, now, BLM is not necessarily known as an organization that is grounded in critical race theory, but if you were to go to their website, uh, you would find all, all sorts of critical race theory principles and ideas that drive and guide that organization, um, not, the least of, not the least of which their hatred for white people, their hatred of Jews. Uh, BLM is, is a, a, a very hate-centered organization, as is critical race theory as an ideology. Critical race theory is a very hate-centered ideology that like Black Lives Matters is rooted in revenge, mm. it's rooted in uh, punishment, it is rooted in uh, perpetual grievance, and uh, 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 neither of which, neither BLM nor CRT, have an ounce of mercy, forgiveness, um, uh, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's just the, the most unlike, ungodlike uh, philosophy that I've ever come across in my life. Mm-hmm. Daryl, when I Think about uh, people that don't even have racist views. Um, if you don't have racist views, you're still, I think, sometimes called a racist. But right. even without racist views, somehow you're perpetuating racism. Right. And I don't, right. I don't know if I get that at all. Yeah. So what you're guilty of, Bill, is what the critical race theorists will call unconscious bias. Of course. You just yeah, there you go. You're, you're, you're a racist. You just haven't realized. It <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so in the presentation that I'm going to give um, at the conference at Bethel this weekend, um, I'm going to be giving a, a, a more of a lecture style address. But I have a PowerPoint version. That's not the version I'll be using this weekend. But I have a PowerPoint version of that same presentation. And one of my slides in my PowerPoint version, Bill, I've titled it "You Can't Win." Yeah, that makes and sense. I've, I've, I've titled that slide especially towards white people because in critical race theory, you can't win. If you're a white person, you cannot win, and you've just explained why. So you're, if you're white, you're racist by virtue of existing. You haven't done anything uh, in terms of uh, expressing uh, 
outward um, uh, racism toward 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 a a black person. You're not guilty of that, but you just don't really. But in, in critical race theory, you are guilty. You just haven't realized it yet. So within critical race theory, that's what's called the voice of color thesis, right? The VOC thesis, where and this thesis holds that people of color, ethnic minorities, immigrants, they're more qualified by virtue of their intersectional status to speak on matters of oppression than white people are. So if you're white, you just need to shut up and listen because you're the problem. Mm. So, so, so yeah, in critical race theory, if you're white, especially. You need to be quiet because you're you're a racist. You just don't realize it yet. And if you try to defend yourself that you're not a racist, then that just proves <laughs> yeah. that you are in fact racist. Boy, uh, Daryl, you, you're spot on with that slide. That there's a no. That's a no win situation. Yeah, you can't win. You can, so don't even try. My my advice, and I, I'm not saying this tongue in cheek. I mean I say this in all seriousness. If you're a white person, just don't respond. If someone accuses you of being a racist, just ignore them. Because if you say anything, the first syllable out of your mouth is going to put you into a no-win situation. Yeah. So the best thing to do is just ignore that person. Yeah, fantastic. Daryl B. Harrison is my guest. We're talking about critical race theory. We'll be back after a very short break. is my guest and he and Virgil Walker will be in town in the Roseville area of Minneapolis and St. Paul coming this Saturday for a conference. You can learn more about that at ChristBible.net. Check it out. We're talking about critical race theory today and Daryl, I I think my, my guess would be critical race theory is probably often posed as the solution to uh, white supremacy or white nationalism. Yeah, it's the only solution. Okay. It's the only solution. And again, remember now, in critical race theory, their allegations of white supremacy and white oppression don't need to be proven. They, they just need to be said to exist. That's what makes critical race theory presuppositional. It just presupposes the existence of white supremacy, yeah. white oppression, doesn't need to be defined, doesn't need to be proven. Just make the allegations and the culture just accepts it. So another question came in, Daryl, and I don't know if you know this, but your thoughts on uh, Latasha Morrison's Be the Bridge program being taught in churches and Christian organizations? Yeah, so Be be the Bridge is what I call soft critical race theory. Okay. Just soft critical race theory. So it's not overtly critical race theory, meaning that you don't get within Be the Bridge, you don't get the hardline critical race theory um, principles and precepts. But they soften soften them a little bit. They still uh, uh, be, be the bridge still reference um, emphasizes rather um, um, uh, ethnic um, uh, ethnic uh, togetherness, uh, uh, race re- race relations, and uh, racial reconciliation, and uh, it still gives deference to ethnic minorities over white people. It still is a very uh, 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 ethno partial. Um, program 
which many churches have adopted and embraced. Um, I'm not a fan of Be the Bridge, if, if you can't tell already. Uh, I'm not a fan <laughs> of that already because, again, you know, Scripture is so clear on us not showing partiality to anyone. Uh, I would just encourage our listeners to go do a word study on how many times the word partiality appears in Scripture. I think it's close to 20 times, and it's never in a positive light, never. Uh, so, But Be the Bridge is, again, it's soft critical race theory. It's soft uh, social social gospel, um, and I would, uh, uh, if anyone is listening to me right now, you belong to a church that is leveraging that material. Um, I would strongly consider meeting with your pastors and elders uh, to voice your concerns because uh, uh, be the bridge is is is, uh, is is not orthodox biblical content. It's not. Mm-hmm. Daryl, I'm curious as an African American man. How many uh, other uh, African Americans would be on Team Daryl right now? Uh, let's see. I can count one, and that would be <laughs> Virgil Walker, my <laughs> podcast co-host. That's about uh, it, you huh? know, it's, it's, it's sad to say. You know, we were talking about tribalism and collectivism earlier, yeah. and then one of the one of the problems within, um, especially within urban. Uh, uh, areas within America is that, uh, and, and please understand, listeners, I'm just going to use this phrase for the sake of conversation. Uh, the black church is becoming increasingly beholden to the social gospel, to liberation theology, to critical race theory, so that uh, a person like me, who is just as black as they are, but who holds to an entirely different worldview than they do, I'm totally ostracized by that same group. I've suffered some of the same socioeconomic challenges as they have. Uh, But when it comes to the way I think, that's where they draw the line. So I'm not included in certain circles uh, within the realm of those who may subscribe to to critical race race theory and have a sensitivity, uh, a more liberal sensitivity towards it. But what I try my best to do is to frame my uh, perspective on such worldviews as critical race theory through the lens of what the Scripture says. Now, here's the problem, Bill. There are some Christians, some professing Christians out there right now who just don't want to accept how the gospel works. And what I mean by that is that the gospel works by the Holy Spirit converting and regenerating the hearts of sinners. In critical race theory, salvation, I put that in quotes, salvation is always materialistic. It's always... uh, uh, ethnic minorities gaining more power. It's always ethnic minorities gaining more control. It's always ethnic minorities gaining even more money. This is why uh, uh, every critical race theorist I've ever met supports slavery reparations because they want to cash in on um, sinful history uh, and then call it equality. They want to call it justice. So, yeah, there aren't many who would align, who look like me, that would align. Uh, with Team Daryl, unfortunately, but I, I, I press on. Well, as long as you got uh, Virgil on, on Team Daryl, that's a good thing because Virgil's awesome. Um, so when you have, when I sometimes get pushback or I hear people voicing support of CRT, and maybe this is me not asking enough good questions, but what do you believe is the good that they're hearing and seeing that they're celebrating about CRT? Well, man, that's a loaded question. Um, I, I think I think what they're hearing is compassion. They're hearing uh, 
equality. They're hearing fair. They're hearing all sorts of uh, uh, terms and uh, uh, ideas that sound good. They sound good on the surface, but when you peel back the layers, they're unbiblical because, again, within critical race theory, all those solutions come at the expense of somebody else. So in in critical race theory, uh, you cannot – you gain equality for black people primarily. You gain equality by prohibiting white people in some sort of way. You prohibit the white person, the white man from getting that promotion. You prohibit the white female from being named to that position. You, pro- you prohibit the, um, the Asian uh, from uh, uh, advancing uh, in their chosen uh, career or, or, of, of, uh, or profession uh, that, 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 that they're aspiring to. So, again, critical race theory is intrinsically, it is inherently discriminatory. There's nothing good about critical race theory. Um, uh, uh, so, 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 yes, they're hearing good things, but when you dig into critical race theory and you understand how they define equality, when you understand how critical race theory defines equity, when you understand how they define justice, then you understand that all those things are inherently discriminatory because they, they come at the expense of someone else. That's how critical race theory works. Hmm. Uh, so that's an important distinction. Because I do know there's uh, people with uh, beautiful hearts and they have lovely intention, but maybe they're not completely understanding the biblical uh, understanding of CRT. Right, they're not. And again, that's not a criticism of those individuals. It's just a reality, uh, which is one reason why Virgil and I are traveling all over the country to help equip the church with a biblical understanding of what these ideas are through the lens of what Scripture says. Mm -hmm. And uh, Daryl, I'd probably say the same about you know, when Black Lives Matter started, you know, a brilliant uh, title for the organization, because who right. is going to disagree with Black Lives right. Matter, right? Yeah. And again, it was a brilliant, it was a brilliant strategy on their part. You, you'll recall this, Bill, you're one of the regular listeners to the Just Thinking podcast. But for those of your listeners who may be unfamiliar, you gave our website earlier, justthinking.me, go to our website and hit the podcast tab. Virgil and I, in uh, the summer of 2020, we released two consecutive episodes on Black Lives Matter, a total of six hours of content, and you will not find a more comprehensive, detailed expose on who Black Lives Matter is apart from those two episodes. I'm not boasting. I'm just saying that that's, that's, a, that's a fact. It's just a reality. We spent six hours trying to educate the church on who Black Lives Matter is, and they've been able to do the damage that they've been able to do because we presume to know what they meant when they said Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Well, the truth is, matter to them doesn't mean the same thing that it means to us. Matter to us is objective, it's impartial, whereas with BLM, it is subjective, it is incredibly partial. Um, and if you don't fit within the lane that they're walking in, they don't think you matter at all, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Got a nice note from a listener. My husband, uh, Nate, is a man of color. He agrees with you and would be on your team. Well, thank you, Nate. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I could use you, man. I could use you. Yeah, yeah. So I want to let everyone know that, again, if you're in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area or you're within driving distance of Roseville, Minnesota, it's exactly where our studio here is at the University of Northwestern. But just across the way at Bethel University is where Daryl and Virgil will be this Saturday. You can learn more about that at ChristBible.net. That's where tickets are and more information is available. ChristBible.net.
net. And I, I think that videos of the event will be available at a later date. Uh, Daryl, I just, um, Rosie, oh, my cool. producer, Great. found that out uh, during one of the breaks. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. So thank you so much for uh, spending this time with us. I, I love having you on. I just love you, and I would love to have you on more. So maybe we can figure out a way to have make that work. Anytime, Bill. Love right. you, brother. Love Anything you, you need, just ask. All right. Thank you so much, Daryl. Daryl B. Harrison has been my guest, and you can go to his website, which is justthinking.me. That's where you can pick up his podcast with Virgil. And I did listen to that um, Black Lives Matter uh, hours and hours of teaching, and it was superb. So anyway, uh, these are a couple of great thinkers, and uh, glad to have them in town this weekend. So we're going to take a break, and not that we need one, but we do. And then when we come back, we're going to continue our Old Testament series. I've got a small piece of bad news. Uh, Peter Kapsner is not with me today, but our special guest that I will be having on is the one and only Colin Smith, the Scottish uh, pastor from Unlocking the Bible. And he's going to talk about Zerubbabel. That's all coming up next. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.